Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Devin, if you want to recreate Free Willy at, uh, at Hershey, I will. You, you have to. And then, and then the Michael Jackson song needs to play. I'll just start singing it. Hold me like the river joy. It's the fact that you know it is my favorite part of it. Hell yeah. That's a bop. Is it though? It is. I think I have to say, my favorite has got to be Billie Jean. It's just, it's a classic, and I know it's generic, but Billie Jean is my favorite one of his. I don't think Billie Jean's generic at all. I think it's wonderful. Well, I mean, when it comes to, like, his most famous hits, like, that's one of his most famous hits. Like, that's what I mean about generic. Like, it's not like a like yeah. a track like song. I, I'm over here waiting for Disney adult Devin to just be like, my favorite is whatever he's singing, Captain Emo. <laughs> I, I will not ever, ever, ever be that Disney adult. I've never seen it. I won't. That's where I draw the line. What, Captain Emo? Yeah. That's my that's my Star Trek of the Disney adult thing. Well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about movies. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, our mission, if we choose to accept it, is the 1996 film Mission Impossible starring Tom Cruise. Can't believe these movies have been coming out since 1996. It's insane to me. Yeah. I can't believe there's, there's so many. Five of them? That's right. Six? Right? There's only... With seven coming out. Seven's coming oh, out seven. this year. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's still a lot. Uh... Before we get started, usually we stop, start with um, We Watch This, which we'll get to in a second, but I want to tell you guys a story about something that happened to me and my wife this weekend at an antique store. Oh, no. So my wife's shopping, and she hears like this RC car coming up to her, and she looks, <clears> and it's a Batmobile, and she's looking around to see what kid has picked this up to play with and is driving it towards her. It was me. <laughs> I got a remote control Batmobile, and it's awesome. Oh, is it the Michael Keaton one? It is the Michael Keaton one. That is so cool. That's why I got OG. it. Well, not really. I mean, OG. it's. I was gonna say it's not from the '80s because it actually works. Uh, <laughs> it's probably from like '99 uh, or 2000, by the looks of it. No, I, I think they did like a re-release of like some of his stuff to like see what happens, but. I just thought that was a fun story to tell. Didn't you tell me off podcast it has a turbo button? It does have a turbo button. And the, That's the best part yeah. of it. Push it now. Push it now. I want to see it. I mean, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it was on. I just had to turn it off. <laughs> this but, could have been the best start to the yeah. podcast. Yeah, also, I have a quick announcement. Shut it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Devin, Devin has a quick announcement. That's, uh, guys, what, what's your guys, announcement? After literal years and heartache and stress and, and just the worst nonsense ever, Romana is finally a U.S. citizen. God Yay. bless America. And she's in the chat. Congratulations, Romana. Is she in the chat? Congratulations. Oh, congratulations. I could congratulations. not be more excited and happy. 
they did this really cool thing where they told her that only her lawyer was allowed to come. And then as she was there, they're like, and bring the families in. And none of the family showed up to be there with her. So that was great. Thanks. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome to America. Timing's not great, but welcome. <laughs> congratulations. No, uh, I know this is something she's been working on for a while now. So congratulations to you. Um, we'll have to celebrate with uh, American food. So. Oh, I'm planning it already. Trust me. When I'm when I'm in town, it's going to be the most American celebration ever. Hershey Park, Hershey Park, deep fried Oreos. Oh, the works. Free so chocolate. It's, yep. So it's so it's so it's going to be fast food every meal, right? It's going to be every every meal. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, on that note, let's get into today's main or not today's main topic. Let's talk about things we watched over the last weekend. Or we watched this segment. Each week we talk about things that we've watched in pop culture over the last week to, that weren't the topic for the for the main main topic of the f- week. I am tired. Uh, let's get into <laughs> it, De- man. Ryan, what did you watch this week? So I uh, I actually watched the new uh, season of Visions uh, that came out for Star Wars. Um, I was a fan of the first season. There were a few dud episodes in there for me personally, but overall I enjoyed it. I didn't even realize that they were making a second season until I saw it advertised. Um, the first couple episodes were kind of chunky for me, but then after, I would say, probably the third episode, things started to pick up. Um, and I did this thing where I went through and I renamed the episodes for myself uh, for <laughs> little nuanced things that I picked up. Um, for example, the one I renamed episode four, I renamed Star Wars with Wallace and Gromit. Um, and episode six, I renamed Circus Soleil, the Star Wars. Um, so there are definite themes in them, just like the first season. A lot of the, a lot of the storytellers definitely infused, uh, probably the culture from their own upbringing and built a whole society in Star Wars around it. Um, I, I recommend it for anyone who's really into this, like I am, I highly recommend it. I had watched the first few episodes of season one, but I never finished it. So I need to go through and watch these. I need to dedicate the time to do it. So, yeah, I, I like that they they're doing all stuff short like this. Yeah, and, so and the Star Wars universe is like wide enough to accommodate all of this and for it all to be true, and not yeah. for them to be like, yeah, but it's not canon because the Jedi didn't do this. It's like no, it, they can have done that. I yeah. might be wrong, but I think visions are are not canon. Oh, are they not? I think they're just fun little, like, stories set in the universe. I don't think anything in them is canon. Well, until until until, until Dave Filoni's like, it's canon, cowboy hat. Um, <laughs> I hope he does. He has what was a hat. your favorite he, one, Ryan? Uh, my favorite one? Um, yeah. Episode 5, which I renamed Star Wars the Anime. Um, Mm. it has to do with this little girl who, uh, was part of this, like, fortune-telling society thing, which she eventually grows up and gets, um, approval for a mission from the Jedi Council to go back to where she grew up and handle a situation that she thinks will finally end the war between the Jedi and the Sith. Um, and, and a young... Uh, Jedi Padawan was sent on his first alone mission to like watch over her. Um, 
I uh, the uh, the story, the animation, um, the theme behind it. I really like that one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard because I I got three that I really loved from this season, and that's episode five, mm-hmm. uh, episode seven, and episode eight. Okay. Okay. I mean that's good though. It means they're spreading them out well. Yeah. Um, and I think the longest one is like twenty two minutes. Oh, it's perfect. So, I mean, the, they're all short stories, which is, again, which, you know, works. And uh, I would say all, uh, I would say almost all of them have different artistical styles, except for, like, two. Two of them is definitely stop-motion animation. One's mm-hmm. more Tim Burton-y, and the other one's more British. Okay. Feeling, which is the last one, which I renamed PBS Presents Star Wars. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the animated project that Devin watched this past week. Uh, Devin, where where are you going to take us this time? Guys, we're going down to South Park. Now, listen, I don't binge watch seasons of anything. I just don't. I watch one episode and I'm good. I am going through Frasier at a frustratingly slow pace. I have seen every episode of South Park of season 26 in one sitting. And the reason I did it isn't because the poop jokes are good, but it's because it's so incredibly poignant. Every single thing that they talk about in this season, they tackle the real life problem of toilet paper, the toilet paper industry, and the real impact that it has on our society, on our emissions, on all of our culture. Is this the most current season? It is. Okay. Phenomenal. It's only like 10 episodes though, right? Uh, I think it's six. It's six okay. episodes. So That's, I don't don't think I'm brave for having watched a whole season of this. I, it was I, six I, thirty I, minute I, things. I, I, I don't. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um. you know, it, just, some of the episodes are just phenomenal. The show is so good at like at commenting on these real life things that people are are dealing with right now. There's a whole episode dedicated to somebody answering his girlfriend's texts by putting it into chat G- GPT and then pasting what chat GPT says back to his girlfriend. And they have like, and she's pouring her heart out to this guy and he's just chat GPT send chat GPT send. And like what that does to your relationship. It's incredible guys. And then the back half of the episode written by chat GPT. In, uh... Okay. Okay. It, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I saw a clip of it uh, in one of the previews, and it, it was like a Butters type character. And he mm-hmm. made the comment, he's like, "She won't stop texting me." And then he opens up ChatGPT, and I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, that's gonna be a good episode." <laughs> like, it, it, the, all of it, it's so like weirdly good. Like it's all poignant commentary. It's all I, I had, I, I was completely blown away from the first episode to the last one. I recommend it. Please, please, please watch it if you have any interest in in social commentary. I still think that South Park is incredibly relevant, especially kind of tackling a lot of the major issues that it does. And I just, I, I just like any kind of commentary in any of my shows. Give me, give me all of that, please. I don't have a graphic pulled for this, but it's relevant, so I'm going to bring it up anyway. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm up to date on The Simpsons. I think I might have, oh, wow. have missed an episode last night. Um, they did a, not a COVID episode, but they 
did a COVID episode where it's oh, like weird. the town gets infested with like caterpillars and they, all have, they have to go on lockdown. <laughs> they did a lockdown episode. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend that because it's a lot of Homer versus Flanders, but also like Lisa struggling with staying at home and Bart thriving in uh, virtual classes, but not like classes, just like spying on Skinner. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> The weird thing, though, like, something weird's going on with the voice cast of The Simpsons. Like, The Simpsons are still right, but Mr. Burns sounds weird. Oh, weird. Yeah, I don't know if, like, Harry Shearer's like, I, I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. But they have, like, a temp voice, and he doesn't sound like Mr. Burns. Like, excellent. It sounds more like, excellent. Like, it's weird. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did not watch anything, besides The Simpsons, I did not watch anything animated. I did, however... Watch the Ben Affleck film Air, starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Did you go to the theater to see this? No, it's on Amazon Prime. Whoa. So I watched this yesterday morning because I was like, you know what? I want to watch this. So uh, I pulled it up. It's really good. I really enjoyed this. Uh, Ryan, I know you're not a big basketball guy, but I think you'd appreciate the sports side of this movie a lot. Because... It's a lot Isn't of inside just, baseball, but with basketball. Yeah, yeah, but that, but uh, hang on, Air. That's that's the one about Nike, right? Like, yeah, it's about the, the Air Jordan startup about, Jordans. Yeah, about yeah. the Air Jordans. Yeah, so. yeah. So I figured it would be more. I I figured that it would be more about like sports industry and like marketing than it would yeah. be actually about the sport itself, which it, I'm interested in because Jordans are a huge phenomenon. Yeah, phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But do, 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 do. <laughs> um, yeah. It, what I really like Ben Affleck as a director. And I, mm-hmm. one thing, like, I think he learned a lot from working with Kevin Smith so much. Because there's a moment in this movie that is, like, a Kevin Smith moment. Like, there's a moment where a character goes off on this whole tangent to, like, like this big long speech, and I'm like, that that's a Kevin Smith moment. Like, I think Ben Affleck movies are better than Kevin Smith movies. Like, between Argo and this, and like, they're way better than like Yoga Hosers. But I think he learned a lot from him, like a lot of valuable stuff. And like, I'm really excited to see this director's cut of Jersey Girl at the end of the month because I want to see what. Like, I feel like that's the film that he learned a lot on because right after that, he went on and directed his own stuff. So I'm really curious how different it's going to be. I cannot wait for you to yeah to do that. So my view of Air is that it's basically Ford v. Ferrari, but with shoes. Am I wrong? No, not entirely. Okay. It's kind of that, but it's, it's not yeah. so much. Yeah, it's kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I like that movie. I know I'm gonna like this one. Like, I'm I'm already primed to like it. Yeah, um, and I kind of like the the release structure of we're gonna put it in in the theaters for about two months, and then put it on Amazon Prime. Like, if you want to go see it in the theaters, you can, but it's gonna be on Prime here soon because it's an Amazon Prime movie. So, oh, wow. yeah, aren't they doing the same thing with Mario? Isn't Mario getting like home release in like the next week? Uh, if it is, uh, sign me up. Uh, I think so. I'm going to get a can of peaches and just watch it. <laughs> Why not so. mushrooms? 
I, yeah. I, I already have the mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Devin, I'm oh. I'm siding on Alan with this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, it, the Mario Mo- Brothers movie drops today on Amazon at 12 a.m. Eastern time. To buy it. or to to watch? It's to buy. Holy probably. cow. For $30? Yeah. You can yeah, buy to no. watch it. No. That's How about to crazy. rent? Was it like 25 19 probably oh. You probably can't rent it yet. Oof, Amazon, what are you doing? Hey, I pay for Peacock Premium with my internet, so I'll wait for it to be on there. That's fair. So, all right, that brings us to today's main topic, the 1996 film Mission Impossible, based on the TV series Mission Impossible, that later goes on to create a whole franchise of Mission Impossible movies that are still going on to this day. So we're going to talk about that and more now, Devin, this right is your now. pick. Take it away. So, like Alan said, we are talking about the last major motion picture to be released in Betamax video cassette format. We're also talking oh. about the first movie to have released in over 3,000 3, theaters across the U.S. and a movie that has been described by Rotten Tomatoes as three words, confusing, boring, and slow. That's right. It's Mission Impossible. Guys, I've seen this movie. I didn't realize that I could remember every beat of this movie. I remembered every beat of the movie so well until I watched it again and went, yeah, okay, I I remember all of this nonsense. Uh, And I think, Ryan, you've seen it before, and Alan, you haven't. So we'll start with Ryan. Ryan, what is your history with the movie? Um, I watched this movie to death when I was younger. Okay, good. Um, Because it was on repeat on HBO. Like, it was on, I would think, maybe every 10 hours on either HBO 1 or 2 that <laughs> they had right. it. Um, so between that and having the VHS, um, and I it, and I haven't seen it since I was maybe in high school. Um, and I have to admit, it was a Mission Impossible to rewatch this movie. Not, not because I don't like it, just because, yeah. Devin, like you said, this movie, like, as soon as you know this movie, there's no point in needing to watch it again. And it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. Well- we're, we're going to have to talk about it, because especially if you've seen any other movie in this franchise, this movie's real different. Uh, so, for having never seen it before, Alan, you said you've seen Ghost Protocol, right? Yes, I've seen Ghost Protocol, and the only reason I saw that was because they showed the opening scene from Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. <laughs> it was with you. Like, we it went to, yeah. Because yeah. I remember us both being hyped to see it, and we're like, "What did Bane just say?" Because they, that was before they cleaned up his audio. That's right. Um, so I've only seen Ghost Protocol, which is the fourth movie in the franchise. I think so. Um, I own most of them on Blu-ray. Oh. Um, I have not watched them yet because I figured we'll probably get around to them on the show. Um, having said that, like I've never seen this movie before, and I knew every beat as it was coming. Did you really? Kind of, yeah. Like, I, I feel like I had heard somewhere what the twist was, and I was like, okay. Like, and we'll get into that later. But I want to mm-hmm. talk a bit about how I watched this movie before we get into this yeah. any further. Because like I said, I own it on Blu-ray. I have them here behind me. Um, but I messaged you guys over the weekend to ask, what is the best way to watch Mission Impossible from 1996? Do you remember what you said? My answer was under threat of being fired or killed from your employer for being framed for killing another employer. Which, spoilers, 
Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. R- Ryan, do you remember what you said? At home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I bought it on VHS because, I, as you mentioned, this, was, this is from 1996. This movie's 27 years old. So I bought it on VHS. But not, not only that, it's a blockbuster video VHS. <laughs> My favorite bit is it still has the Be Kind Rewind sticker on it. And you know what? I watched this last night at my computer on my on my VCR, and then I went to shut everything down. I was like, no, I have to rewind. So, <laughs> is it you? Do you have to click the stop button and the rewind button to rewind yeah. it real fast? Oh, good. Yeah, that's what I'm I did. Glad that's still so, how that works. Yeah. So I watched this on VHS. So it was very poor quality. <laughs> Four by three, not <laughs> the actual aspect ratio. But oh I think it God. I think it added something. Like there's no better way to watch Emilio Estevez in anything than on VHS. <laughs> That's fair. By the way, did you guys know he's uncredited for that role in here? He's not at all listed in the credits as as his character. Huh. It took me a while because I knew who that actor was. So I saw him and I was like, you're gonna hate me, but I went, Oh, Charlie Sheen's in this. And then I looked up, I looked up Charlie Sheen, Mission Impossible, and got funneled to Emilio Estevez. And the his reason brother. that he's on, is it his brother? You didn't know that? Yeah, Charlie nope. Sheen, Charlie Sheen, and Emilio Estevez are brothers. Ah, uh, they didn't have both the last name Sheen or Estevez, so I went okay. It, it's. Did keep, we have this conversation before? No. Keep okay. Keep telling your story, and then I'll tell a different story. Go off on a different tangent. About oh, this. I just I just realized that that he was or I looked up why he's uncredited and it's to make it more of a shock and more of a twist his role in the movie which we'll discuss later. Yeah, um, he's promoting a film that stars his, like his father helped work on as like an executive producer, and he was mm-hmm. just on he was just on the Today Show talking about how disappointed his grandfather was when Martin Sheen had his first big role in in the marquee. It said Martin Sheen and not. Um, I forget what his first name is, but Estevez. Like he changed his state name for the stage, and it, like it was always kind oh, of wow. a heartbreak for his grandfather. The film that he is promoting now, that his dad was an executive producer on, is the first time he's used his birth name in the industry. Wow! So, well, that's very cool. What's yeah. the What's the movie? Uh, I will look it up and f- let you know. Yeah, say say plug it. Yeah, it, yeah. Keep talking, and I'll look it up. I just hang things. You 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 got. As, as Estevez and Charlie Sheen confused? Yeah, I did. I... T- are, you, are you disappointed in me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're brothers! It took me a while for me to... Because, con- I mean, th- th- this happens. You guys will mention actors' names, and even though mm-hmm. it's someone that I, like, you know, that a name th- that I know... My brain turns off because when you said that you confused it for another actor, I didn't even hear you say Charlie Sheen because I've, that actor that was in this, mm-hmm. I always thought that it was the coach from Mighty Ducks. It is. Okay. And oh, there's good. an actor, and there's an actor that I always get confused with him. And that's, and that's the actor from, um, uh, now I just forgot that I can't believe this. Time traveling DeLorean. I mean, uh, uh, Michael uh, J. Fox. 
Michael J. Fox. I always get him and that uh, and the one in this movie confused. Wow. I always get those two crossed. Okay, I'm a little bit shocked, but I, you know what? I get it. I get so it. So when you said like Charlie Sheen, my brain was turned off because I thought you were talking about <laughs> guy from Back to the Future, not <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Totally fair. So I was wondering from from both of you, how does this movie hold up as an action movie in in a world where John Wick 4 just came out and in a world where like that's kind of the standard for action movies that are coming out? Was this still a fun and enjoyable watch or was it kind of what Rotten Tomatoes said? Because you kind of see this arc right in Rotten Tomatoes reviews. I spent a lot of time on there today because I have no life uh, kind of prior to. I'm going to say 2010, almost. A lot of people love this movie. This is the gold standard for an action movie. This is great. And then kind of post that, you start to see opinion of it slowly start to turn to the movie's boring, the movie's predictable, it's not very action, the set pieces aren't big. I feel like that has to do with a a generation coming up who is seeing this as an older action movie. Mm -hmm. And compared to, like, me and you guys, like, I was 11 when this movie came out. So to me, this is like a formative movie getting into my teens of this is an action movie. I can, I'm finally allowed to watch movies like this. So this is where the starting point is type deal. Even though I've seen like Jurassic Park and all that stuff before then, like, you know, there was a different tone to these movies. And so like, I feel like people our age looking at this going, how could people say this about this movie? It was it was one of the best action movies of like the mid nineties. And it's like, well, to someone who's in their early twenties, eh, it's just an old action movie. Hot take. This isn't an yeah. action movie. Interesting. All right. What do you I think? think? I think the mission impossible movies have become action movies and there are action elements to this. This mm-hmm. one's a spy thriller. That's what this is. Like this isn't an action film. There's like one big like two big stunt sequences in this um one that was practical and one was like <laughs> definitely a green screen train thing what um yeah Are you... but like i think what this franchise has become is like john wick style action and that's what mm. people come to expect from these movies so when you go back and watch this one and it doesn't fit that tone, I think that's why. Like, it's it's something different. It's Because this is based off of a TV show that wasn't an action show. It was yeah. a spy show. And that's what this is. This isn't like the Tom Cruise stunt of the year show. This is a spy thriller with action elements in it that the films, as they go on, just become crazier and crazier to the point where Tom Cruise is going to jump out of the space station and come back down to Earth. You know, I I think I can agree with you on that, because I think this series, more than any other one, does a really interesting job of moving with the times and changing to what is expected of action movies at that point in time. So, like, Mission Impossible 2, for example, which we will be watching soon. Very different tone from this one. Mm-hmm. I think Mission Impossible 4 feels like a Bourne movie a little bit because those were what was popular at the time. Like, the, they, they almost change what genre or, like, type of action movie they are depending on what's popular at the time. And I think that's fascinating 
to like take a character and kind of or, or like a set of characters and let them move through these genres so well i guess because these these movies almost unanimously do well when they come out like they're yeah. not panned and they're not treated like the fast and furious franchise yeah by the way thank you for not yeah. choosing that franchise to go through <laughs> No, that's my own personal walkthrough. I am going to start doing that, and I'm going to tell you about every movie, and we watch this. That is oh, genuinely man. my plan. Oh, oh man. I, I, can't wait. I, mean, I mean, you've seen them. You started watching those at four or five. What? Fast and Furious? Yeah. You started seven. watching. You, n- n- okay, so you haven't seen them before seven. I watched a little bit of Tokyo Drift when it was on TV and went, Ugh, and then picked back up again at seven. Okay, okay, because I because re- oh my because I like the first three. Like I yeah. I am a huge fan of the first three FF mm-hmm. movies. I'm just gonna call them FF movies. Perfect. The first three are great. I watch them occasionally, even mm-hmm. now. Those are the ones that I want to talk to you about because I couldn't care less about after three because they oh. they. They, they turned into a much. I am not a fan of the whole modern, like born movie, fat, the modern Fast and the Furious movies. Like w- one of the reasons why I said action movie for this is because like this is to me where like they start, and then they get more more actiony from there, mm-hmm. and then you get to a point where it's just fight scene after Corey after fight scene after fight scene after fight scene. I'm like I I want some suspense in this. It just Enough bullets flying. Like, give me some arguments. Give me some So then I have a follow-up to that, then. How does it feel to be wrong? Hmm? How does it feel to be wrong? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm, I'm never wrong no, I'm, about I'm these just, things, so I'm kind of confused. Being, I'm just being mean. No, I know you totally are. Fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it's like... I've seen half of a Bourne movie and I was just totally not interested at all because there's a Jackie Chan movie that's the exact same premise that came out in the late 90s that I was like, this is just Jackie Chan's Who Am I? The Tuxedo? Hmm? The Tuxedo. <laughs> is it Tuxedo? It's a Jackie Chan movie. It was a joke. Oh, got it. Um, so do you guys see then elements of this movie that leaked forward into other movies? Because like now we're, we talked a lot about how like the genres changed since this one. Do you see that, like, oh, oh, clearly, you know, I don't know. I can't even think of another action movie. Uh, later on in the, a few years after this, like, there were elements pulled straight from this movie used in Charlie's Angels. Because yes. for some reason I watched that a lot as a kid. Must have just been on HBO. I uh, don't know why. Um but I like the whole sequence where they have to go in and steal the thing with the like it's not as it's played for laughs in that more than it is mm-hmm. here. Um, but I, I think this has set up the trope of what a heist is in a spy movie like this. Like there, there are elements of that. And I feel like even story wise, like I've only seen uh, Ghost Protocol, but I feel like story wise, it's the same movie over and over every time. Yeah, it is. Every plot is Ethan yeah. gets accused of thing. Ethan has to clear his name. Ethan goes rogue to clear his name. I, I'm waiting for the next one to be like, guys, we've done this six other times. <laughs> <laughs> they become self-aware. Yeah. I, 
not self-aware. I think he should, you know, what's the, what's the quote from Batman? Uh, if you live long enough, you turn into the villain oh, yeah. or something like that. You either die or hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. The next, the next Mission Impossible movie should be Ethan blaming someone else for being uh for for being a mole and he's doing the mole hunt and then he ends up being wrong and has to swallow his pride oh. like that's let's see it's like it's that whole thing that like he never actually learned the lesson that he learned five times over <laughs> i'm on board i i i think the the batman quote quote that they've been using in pre-production for all the Mission Impossible movies since this one mm-hmm. has been, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> because, because of all of the different stunts that he's done. And I, there's a little bit of that in this with the, like the, the restaurant scene. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that, that look, that was definitely him. Oh yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like that was like the first, like the first hit of adrenaline for stunts that he got is like, oh, I, I could do more of this. Well, they made a big deal on the yeah. facts of this movie of saying that this movie came in vastly under time and vastly under budget because Tom Cruise offered to do his own stunts for the movie. And they were just so proud of that. So this is really where he gets his start. Yeah, there was um, there was a show on Discovery Channel in the mid to late 90s called Movie Magic. Mm-hmm. Um and again, when other kids were watching and aged into the Disney Channel, like Devin, I aged into watching the three educational channels that were on cable. And one of and one of the shows was this one. And they went into like how blue screens and green screens worked. And they would have like a documentary crew on sets of movies. And this was one of mm-hmm. them. And they did that restaurant scene with the gum and the glass exploding and, and everything else. And it was real funny. I, I don't know why I have such a vivid memory of this, but watching them load the fake fish into the, <laughs> the uh, tank before it blew and showing him, uh, like, you had the guy that was tied to the pull machine that pulled the guy through the glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Tom Cruise running out. And then as he ran out, when he reached a certain point, that's when the the... the the glass went above him mm-hmm. for no apparent reason. Like the, the aquarium on top breaks as well. Um, after everything else had broken, but yeah, no, th- that was one of, uh, that was a cool episode of that show where, 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 where they talked about this specifically. And, uh, they were showing that Tom Cruise was like doing his first major stunt of his career on that. And he was getting like pumped up. for. Oh, it. That is so cool. I, I love to see that, like, yeah. the beginnings of those, like, just what, what he essentially becomes nowadays is just, like, the actor that does his own stunts. It's so cool to see where that started. Yeah. So what did you guys... So I've seen a lot of the later Mission Impossibles, and in it they basically make Tom Cruise a superhero. Going back to this cool. was incredible for me because he's not really a superhero in this. He's just, like, a dude caught up in some stuff and is trying his best. How was that for you guys? Yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise at this point to me. So I was like, okay, yeah, he's, this is little baby Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, Cause he looks so young in this oh, compared really to does. like Maverick and whatever he's doing to his face now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, 
it feels like the start of a franchise. Like mm-hmm. you start off these characters, the, the, this character, and then you just see him evolve over time to the point where he's superhuman. Um. But yeah. Yeah, Ryan, do you have that same thing? I he he definitely. I mean, he he wasn't a superhero, but he was definitely uh, uh, superhero super level. Uh, um. Uh. Uh, oh crap! Now I just the word just threw out of my head. Observant. There you go. His 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 being able to like remember the type of knife that you know the uh, that the that the that the French Foreign Legion guy from the uh, ninety from the nineteen ninety seven Godzilla movie <laughs> um, was holding and the Bible being from the hotel. And putting that together, and one thing about this movie, too, that they did that I that I saw going forward in some other movies is that if you're looking in the background, mm-hmm. things become very apparent. So on their first mission, and they go into the embassy, and you can see that there are specific people staring at them the entire time. That comes up later. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, I've seen that in other movies since, but he. Uh, just like Alan said, it definitely fits before at the start of a franchise. Um, I feel like he progressed in these movies the same way um, John McCane does in the Die Hard movies. Yeah. Like he, you know, it's like the, the character starts off as just being like one of the world's best spies and one of the world's best just beat cops and then turns into like super cop and super spy like by the end of, you know, the, the, the end of the movies. Yippee-ki-yay, L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. All right, bye. <laughs> you did it. Oh, he, he literally just walked away. He's gone. He's off the podcast now. Great. Uh, so I wanted to, I did want to talk a little bit about that first mission because Alan's still not back. He's still genuinely gone. I think he... I think he probably had to pee, and that was his way out. That was a good way out. Well done. I'll, I'll have to do that. So I did want to talk about that first mission, because, Ryan, you'll be, I think, of anyone here, you'll be able to clear up one of my mysteries of Mission Impossible, because I've been confused about this since I was a little kid, and I watched yeah. it again, and I'm still confused about it. So okay. in the first mission, which honestly is my favorite part of this movie, where they're trying yeah. to find the seller of the knock list. Yeah. Tom Cruise's team slowly gets killed off. Yeah. I am impressed at how long you were gone, by the way. Uh, you can help me answer my so, mystery. Okay. I can explain why I was gone why so long gone if you so want. <laughs> my DoorDash order arrived. <laughs> so I was like, perfect timing. I figured it was something. I figured it was something like well that. Well done. Cheers. So I was talking about the first mission being my favorite part of the movie. And in the first mission, Tom Cruise's team slowly gets killed off one by one. Uh, I have a mystery of this movie that I don't understand. How does Emilio Estevez's character die? Because it shows that he's going up an elevator shaft. It shows that, like, John Voight made spikes come down off of the elevator shaft. And then he gets deep-throated by an electrical cable? Is that what happens to him? He gets stabbed by the claw thingies. But it looks like there's a big mass of wires that okay, goes right so, into his gaping mouth. Okay, so 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 it's not wires. This is something that I've noticed myself, and I've always just ignored. Okay, because good. 
I think I'm at the same point that Devin is actually at, and I've always threw it up to maybe like a cut scene mm-hmm. or they couldn't get effects right or something. So, like Alan said, there are these spikes that like come down. I don't know what purpose they serve. I'm not a mechanic that works on elevators. I don't even know if those things even it's exist. Spikes. But anyway, but, 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 but anyway, Emilia Estevez is, is on top of the elevator. It's going up, and these like spikes come mm-hmm. down. And he's looking up, and as he's looking up, there's also this silver thing that looks like it was blown apart, or it, uh, um, or like it broke off, and it's longer and a different color than the other spikes. Yes. And then, and they show it enter his face yeah. for like a split second, and then it's just like the sound of that crushing his skull, mm-hmm. and every, and. Everyone on on the the, the 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 team hears that and sees that his camera on his glasses goes offline. Mm-hmm. So they just put two and two together. I always chopped it up to it was probably the mechanism that that was holding the spikes in place, and it was sabotaged in some way. Mm-hmm. And that bar that broke is what got him, and not the actual spikes. That's what I always just assumed it was, and I never cared to actually find out alan was that your read of it too kind of yeah yeah okay so i think this is very hard to see in the it was very hard to see in the grainy wobbly vhs tape (laughs) version of this i was wondering if the scan lines made it more clear no (laughs) (laughs) scan lines make nothing more clear (laughs) yeah i watched it on paramount plus so i had a crystal clear view that was exactly the same So as the movie goes on, we slowly start to find out that the, the Mission Impossible agency is, is now framing Ethan for having killed all of his team. And what he does next is he goes, well, I guess I'll go work for the bad guys then. And trying to process the movie as a little kid, I was like, of course he does. But as an adult, I was like, that's a weird way to go well, about this. It's not that he wants to work with the bad guys. It's that he's taking the information that was handed to to him basically during his exit interview, mm-hmm. and um, and and then uses that to try to track down like what he was talking about mm-hmm. to figure out what was actually going on, so he could eventually clear his name. I don't really see that as like. Well, fine. The, the United States stabbed me in the back, so I'll go work for this, you know, whoever. I, I don't see it that no, way. No, I didn't take I it as like a revenge. I'm trying to. Yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 I see that as there was no other possible way for him okay. to handle that situation unless he wanted to, like, go rogue and, he, like, it's, use it's, his training to, like,. He, he's pretty much becoming a double agent. Like he's gotcha. infiltrating the bad guys to like yeah. clear his name. So then this brings me to my other favorite part of the movie. Guys, early 90s email. Where did we go wrong? Just the internet in, in total it's with this movie. Oh so good. It's so bad. It's so and good. there are so many things said by the characters. Mm-hmm. He's like, they're, they're talking about a signal trying to see if there's a signal being broadcasted from the laptop and max goes oh it just might be the cpu heating up what what's that 
What's that all about? And then that nonsense about the AI safety. Oh my gosh! Don't you oh it, for his hacking. Oh, it's the so writers were bad. like the like, nerds will never know the difference. Like it's so. I mean, like. I mean, it's like, I am not a computer person. I've helped a friend build a computer once, and I work on Pennsylvania State lottery machines. I'm a hardware tech. I don't do software. And even yeah. I know that all that stuff that they said in this movie was complete BS. I was yeah. laughing this time watching because I was finally catching it's that so stuff. So good. <laughs> my, fa- my favorite thing was internet user IDs and like just a long list of every yeah. internet user <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Oh, I have to, oh, I have to say, that, that scene made my eyes hurt. So, like, of course, I mean, for people who, who are watching the video, mm-hmm. I wear glasses. And I'm not nearsighted or far, I, uh, uh, I, I'm not near or farsighted. I, 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 I have astigmatism. So mm-hmm. looking at a computer screen without my glasses or phone makes my eyes hurt. So when they were focusing in on Tom Cruise with his eyes real wide and, and then like looking at the screen, it made my eyes hurt. And 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 actually, I have a headache because I was rewatching it before I got on here and I got to that scene. Wow! Like it, it was it was painful for me to see him with his eyes like just open as wide as they could go, staring at the screen. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, that hurts. So then, speaking of computers, we then pivot to Tom Cruise assembling his new team. And we get my favorite character of this entire franchise, Luther. Guys, Luther yeah. is the best. I, I think Luther is the best character. I, I love him. I love his ethos. He was specifically cast because that's not what you expect like a hacker to look like. You expect him to look roughly like me, pretty nerdy, probably more glasses. Give me a few more minutes, Tom. I'm hurrying the best I can. And, and it wasn't that. And I love Luther. He's just the best for me. Yeah. What did you guys think? I'm a, I'm glad that he's the other part of this franchise that carries over yes. into other films. So is he in all of them? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or does he miss a few? I don't think he misses any. I think he's in all of them. Okay, that's good. Cool. So then I, I'll just kind of skip forward because we're we're pretty low on time here. Tom Cruise finds out that all of this ended up being a plot by John Voight. Uh. And that was that he was essentially, he was Job. He was the one he was looking for through what I think is the dumbest reason. And it's because John Voigt decided to take a Bible with him all the way from Chicago to London and then leave it around. I don't understand why John Voigt did that. Because he didn't think that... I. It's one of those... It, it's like the one thing that this movie hinges on mm-hmm. is Tom Cruise is Ethan yeah. looking up and making the connection of Job 314 mm-hmm. and having the realization and the background knowledge of his life to know that that could be a Bible chapter. There's a lot of people that wouldn't put that together. And it just so happens that are you pointing at yourself that you're one of those people never that wouldn't catch that? would have been like. Okay. I would have been like AM or PM. I, yeah. I I feel like it's more to kind of take the heat off of him. Like if he disappears and can frame Ethan for everything, then no one's gonna be looking for him. Yeah. But Ethan Ethan's smart enough to get around that and like have it to the point where he has to intervene again. So 
I, yeah, I just, I don't know, for some reason for me, just like finding that Bible, I was like, that's pretty convenient that he would need to do that. Whenever they go from Job to Job, all I could think of was the line in Mrs. Doubtfire, I am Job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I I had no, I knew going into this that John Voight was the villain, so I was like waiting to see how he connected the pieces. Oh, you knew that already? Was like, yeah. yeah, I knew that. Oh, wow. How did you know that? Um, the internet That's and right. maybe John Voight in real life. But <laughs> besides that, um, yeah, um, I have one thing I want to talk yeah. about. Because we never really people forget, but forget about this with Mission Impossible is uh, it's based on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any connection to the TV show at all from the sixties? I watched it. My few dad episodes. really liked it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a trend in the 90s of just making uh, making TV shows into li- like into movies. And I watched another one uh, before watching Mission Impossible because, like I said, I have my VCR set up. I can watch movies easily on my computer, like on the same screen that I'm looking at you guys on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched uh, 1994's. Uh, any guesses? What which one I watched? 94, and it was from a TV show. 94, yes. It wasn't Man from Uncle. No. No, that came much later. But that one is wonderful, and I've never seen Man from Uncle. What about um, Avengers? No, no, that came later. Brian, that wasn't. You want to guess? The only other one that's coming to my mind was made like in like 2008 so i know it's not it what were you thinking get smart oh no it, no i yeah. watched the flintstones like said, too late. <laughs> and oh man i i remember loving this movie as a as a kid there's so much i didn't understand back then um but i also i don't have a as big of a familiar I don't know the the Flintstones as well as I know the Simpsons, but there's so much the Simpsons takes from the Flintstones that the Flintstones movie recreates. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, like his boss not knowing his name. Yeah, <laughs> is like the big thing, and it, like it's all based off of the Honeymooners, but whatever. Um, it, it was just it was an interesting watch, and I got to thinking about TV adaptations in the '90s. So, um, I think I think this one's my favorite. So really, so th- so this is your favorite TV adaptation over Mission Impossible. Flintstones is your favorite over Mission Impossible from the nineties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because they didn't make McDonald's glasses for Mission Impossible. <laughs> I I can't think of any other TV adaptations in the nineties. Honestly, Charlie's Angels. Uh, oh yeah. The Avengers, like Ryan said. Um, Adam's family. Oh, shoot! Oh, that might be a good one. That might that be might, the best ooh. one. Casper. Mm, still not as good. Wild Wild West. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen that one, Ryan? It is all. Okay, so okay, so for me, that list goes. My favorite is Adam's family. Okay. My second favorite is Wild Wild West, and then my third favorite is Casper, and then it's the rest of them. Is Mission Impossible included on this? Is this still lower than those movies? Oh, that that 
that's that that's like four. Oh, okay. mainly because mainly because I haven't seen this movie since I was probably like entering high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I watched it again, it's just certain movies. As soon as I know what's going on, they drag for me. Oh, sure. And it's like it's it, it, it's hard for me to keep going to keep watching them. And so I don't like Mission Possible is a good movie. I I like it and everything. It's just I don't know if I could ever really watch it again until I'm like in my seventies and I've forgotten the whole thing. Um, so it's like four on that list. Okay. Four or five. Would you recommend that somebody that wants to watch the latest one that's coming out this summer, would you recommend they start here and go? Uh, I need to rewatch the other ones oh, before I, I answer that. Ryan, uh, we will. I, oh, I, I know. <laughs> I feel like I heard something about this new one that brings it all the way back to this one. John Voight's back. I think the truck. Emilio Estevez is back. <laughs> you never see his body. That's true. You never see his body. You never see his body. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I I just like to think that he did this instead of being the co- coach the whole time in Mighty Ducks 3. Um. Anything else on Mission Impossible? My last thing I wanted to mention was <coughs> the 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 superhero line in any action movie, right? And this happens just before he defeats the bad guy. This happens famously in Die Hard before he shoots <coughs> before he shoots him off the building. It's Gary Cooper asshole. Like I love it. This one has the funniest mm. version of that, I think, of any movie, where it's just Tom Cruise shouting, red light, green light, and then he blows up the helicopter. It's, <laughs> it's just so not cool, and I love it for that. Yeah. I mean... But it's the most practical. It is, though. Like, he's not doing a one-liner. He's telling him how his explosive device works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was it. That's all I got. All right. I'm glad we watched it. Okay. Well, let's talk about my pick for next week. Mm-hmm. I went on a journey today, guys. Um, so today I was listening to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Okay. Um, and they had Javier Bardem on. And he was there to promote his upcoming film that um, is the live-action Little Mermaid. And... Since he since he was talking about it a lot, and I was like, okay, well, I don't want to admit this about myself, but I there's a movie I haven't seen that I need to have seen by now. Um, and since they were talking about it a lot on the podcast, like you know what, now is the perfect time to do this. Um, so in honor of me listening to Javier Bardem on the show today, uh, we will be watching No Country for Old Men. You've made me so happy. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I love this movie. Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, shoot. You guys haven't picked it yet, so I am forcing your hand. That is what you're. I am making us watch next week. Oh, um, man. So, yeah, that's my pick. Javier Bardem and uh, Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men. Oh, you're going to hear me. Did you think I was going to say Little Mermaid? I was thinking it was going to be the original Little Mermaid, and I was going to like laugh at you for doing a Devin and doing a Disney movie, but no. No. It's a Coen I Brothers that, movie, my other favorite yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Gotcha. <laughs> um that 
that's my pick for next week. Uh, it's breaking the mold a little bit, making like you got. We've been doing the show for a few years now. You haven't gotten to it. Force in your hand. Make me watch it. I'm making. I'm making us watch it because I've never seen it. So. Have you seen it, Ryan? Um. Yes. You sound okay. thrilled. Mm. <laughs> totally. We're gonna he loves Coen Brothers. You know. I can't wait. Um. Yeah. So that that's my pick for next week. Uh, <laughs> you you can find us here. Next Tuesday, our regular time. Sorry about throwing everyone off with a Monday night, but it threw me off, too, because I'm expecting to be able to go watch Ted Lasso after this, but I have to wait a whole day. Um, you can watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, please. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, visit our website, rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com, to check out our show and all the other great Rum Runners Podcast Network podcasts. Uh, until next time, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And happy birthday to a friend of the show, David Crumholtz. We'll see you next week. 